Moses is running for his life in Midian, staying with distant family. He sees a bur- bush burning that it burns and is not consumed. I was once asked, or a sermon posed, how long would it take to look at a log or a bush on fire and be able to determine conclusively that it was not burning up? How long would that take to understand and know? And um, the best estimate that we came up with was eight minutes. We leave that out of our calculations. The amount of attentiveness, attunedness, and patience that it took. So much so for the artist. that So much of the work that we engage in in the arts, in making and creating, is just listening, sitting and paying attention, being open to the experience, hearing the small, still voice of the divine, hearing the creative muse. What is required to be an artist? What is required to produce work high quality, that is truly devoted, truly personal, truly aware. When Moses encounters this bush, he's told to remove his shoes. Our tradition teaches that leaders, prophets, and artists alike need to be able to feel the thorns and the stones and the pebbles. to be sensitive to things as much as it might hurt us. We need to be open to the world's challenges and grief and even joys, the fears, the humanness, and the brokenness of all that is created. You can't walk around with thick-souled, vibram souls, sticky, but, but open, open-toed and uncomfortable, not even sandals. And likewise, Later in this week's Torah reading, in the readings of the Hebrew Bible that Jewish communities are reading, God responds to the prayers of the Israelites. And one of our sages from the medieval period says that the verbs used mean that God paid heed with God's heart, did not ignore. That, quote, anyone who does not recognize the person who walks in front of him is considered as though not seeing him, even if you know the person well. If you recognize him but do not love him, It's also as if you do not see. Open-heartedness and open-handedness. Openness in general is also required to make art, right? To be present to what the world needs, what your neighbor needs, what the audience needs. Not to make the art for them, but to give gift to them and to understand their pain as your own. Artists are blessed and cursed with that kind of sensitivity. We bear it in a prophetic way. That's important. So what are the actions and frames of mind that are required to be safely creative? It's not easy. I want to share a couple of Hebrew words from the Hebrew Bible readings of the week that might give us some insight or at least some direction to go in. So Paro, the king of Egypt, works the Israelites' beferach, which translates roughly to ruthlessly or in distress, and calls them nirpim, that they are shirkers. There are a lot of pressures 
whether it's trying to play eight, eight, you know, 250 gigs a year, trying to paint relentlessly, trying to write 50, 500 words a day. There is a ruthlessness to the making and a ruthlessness to the external pressures of management or commerce. And there's also a time to be a shirker, a nirpim. Take the time off to cultivate, to pause, to be present, to be slow, to go fast by going slow, to take our time, to take pauses, to take respite, to take Sabbath, however you define it in your own personal practice or spiritual life. It's not for me to decide for you, but it's okay to take a break. It's okay to not do it all at once, not to be so ruthless at every moment ruthless with yourself, ruthless with the world, to allow the ruthlessness of the world to oppress you, but sometimes to be a hermit, to retreat from it. Another thing I've been thinking of in a conversation with an artist is the head and the heart, right? That we can be too much in our head, people say. Sometimes that just means we're anxious. Sometimes that just isn't really being over-analytical as much as just being sensitive, being wordy, thinking it through. That's okay, too. So when Pharaoh decides to ruthlessly oppress and begin the process of genocide against the Israelites living among him, the phrase in Hebrew is hava nitrachma. Maybe it's translated as let us be wise, let us make wise. So the classic dictionary, the Brown Driver Briggs Dictionary of Biblical Hebrew says that this word chacham it doesn't just mean wisdom, but it means restraint, judgment, governance, making firm, sound, shrewdness, crafty, cunning, administrative, prudent, skilled in war, right? We need, we need to have the theoretical and the logical framework to our work. We need to think it through carefully. And hava, that led us, is also means to be prepared, to do it in a particular manner, to, to get ready for it. I mean, that's what we deny. Right, that that as if art is only inspiration. I, I feel like talent and inclination and inspiration are maybe ten percent, but ninety percent is work, hard work, much harder than people give artists credit. And maybe another ten percent is luck right? in terms of success, reaching the audience, coming up with the the idea that is really yours, finding. But the digging, the repetition, the practice, those are for everyone. You do have to be. Chacham, wise, sage, prudent, shrewd, crafty, restrained. Get yourself ready. The work is always there. Another Hebrew word that comes up in this week's parsha and this week's Hebrew Torah reading is tafriyu, which Pharaoh says to Moses, you're distracting the people from their work, right? Your prophecy is distracting. But again, to go with that idea of nirpim, of being a shirker, sometimes, yeah, yeah, we need distraction. You can't just go through the process. Sometimes you have to go walk the dog or exercise or paint if you're a writer or watch a football game or do something foolish or dangerous or fun or purely play. You need to be unbound, to quote the dictionary on this word, tough for you, to be uncovered, let loose to lack restraint, right? If wisdom and logic are a kind of restraint, you need to, at times, lack restraint. And I, I guess what I'm 
preaching to you, teaching, sharing the idea of paradox. For an artist is always, and in some ways every human, has to exist at, at the crossroads of being ruthless, of being a shirker, of being wise, of being tough for you, of being distracted. We can't be only one thing or the art never comes out. You have to pull and push and stretch and find the middle place through which it flows. This, this world is, is too much one of easy answers. Janet. And that's not what I think we need. That is not what we need. We need some amount of moral imagination, some, some potential to be bigger than ourselves, some capacity to stretch, to be bounded and unbounded at the same time, to be all of the things that Ecclesiastes says to us, that there are a time to live and a time to die, but to live amid all of that distraction and focus. And so the last metaphor I want to leave you with is the metaphor of the shepherd, one of the greatest and often most misunderstood in modern times metaphors in Hebrew Bible. You know, there's a there's an idea of a dead metaphor in, in writing and Bible. That there are metaphors that still exist, but we don't understand because we don't have the thing anymore, right? Uh, the whole nine yards was a reference to um, a gunnery equipment, the, the belt for gunnery in, I think, World War I, World War II. We lose what the metaphor referred to, and you don't know many prophets, so we lose what it meant to be a shepherd, but it was a kind of caring, an attentiveness, knowing each sheep by person, by identity. Not, they were not objects to a prophet. And our sages notice, the rabbis of later years notice, that most of the prophets in Hebrew Bible were shepherds. Some of the work was, they were picked, David, Moses, uh, Rachel, they were all shepherds. Not just this, this was a common profession, and it was a profession open to men as to women, but that it was an important profession. It was a caregiving profession. It's why um, the word for a pastor in German means to be a soul shepherd. It's why the Hasidic, the rabbis of the 17th and 18th century revival movements called themselves faithful shepherds. That's why Jesus had the parable of the good shepherd, right? A shepherd is something we don't see, but meant to be caring, to be wise, to be attentive, but not to be perfect, right? Shepherds could never contain, control, or protect every sheep. They loved, they cared for, they attended to with all their might, but ultimately imperfectly. So there's a tradition Jewishly called Midrash, which is to investigate the scripture. It's sort of like a rabbinic fan fiction. It's often thought of as rabbinic fan fiction. So our Midrash, our stories about this week's Torah reading, our stories about this week's Hebrew Bible reading, again, the first chapters of the book of Exodus are that God tried David, King David, through sheep and found David to be a good shepherd and therefore entrusted David with the leadership. But here, God tried Moses and understood Moses as a shepherd to be a good potential leader. So there is a story that our sages imagine that he was in this period in Midian, the same period where he stayed with his father-in-law, the same period where he got married, the same period where he fled from the Egyptians, the same period where he saw the burning bush, that he was also a shepherd. He had, you know, he had a day job. And a little kid escaped from the flock, and he ran after it until the kid, the small goat, reached a shady place. 
And when it reached the shady place, there appeared to view a pool of water and the kids stopped to drink. I guess Moses had never noticed that pool of water in his journeys. Moses approached it. I think this means the kid and said, I didn't know you ran away because you were thirsty. You must be weary. So he placed the kid on his shoulder and walked away, carrying in the rest of the day is the image. That's what the artist does. That's what the prophet does. That's what the person of faith does to carry the burdens of the world, right? to transmute and transform them into art and creativity and productivity and something that speaks to others, but ultimately to be a bearer of the burden and to carry us within their heart. That this sensitivity that's required, noticing that working at times ruthlessly and at times as a shirker, at times being wise and at times being distracted, they're all part of the work. They're all part of shepherding art into existence, shepherding that small kid, that goat, that emblem, that inspiration into existence by being tender. All of this is about tenderness and the ability to hold diversity and multiplicity and to be a moral imaginer and to have the imagination of a world that can be creative and not destructive. As we enter into 2024 and the potential for a lot of world conflict and political fraying, I invite you as people, as artists, as persons of faith and spirit, to try to hold it all, to try to not find a simple answer, but to dig deep, to be attentive and attuned, to have the moral imagination and compassion, to find a new answer, to find a new inspiration. It's not easy. <laughs> 